You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today we are in week two of a series that we're calling From Dream to Reality. And this is a series where we are looking at the life of Joseph, who is an Old Testament character in the book of Genesis. And when you look at the life of Joseph, you see that when he was 17 years old, that God gave him a dream. But that dream didn't become reality until Joseph was 30 years old. So there was a 13-year gap between his dream and his dream becoming reality. And Psalm 105 verse 19 actually talks about that time, talks about that 13 years. Here's what Psalm 105 19 says. It says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. So essentially that 13 year gap in between his dream that God gave him and that dream becoming reality, that was all about his character because he needed the character to be able to sustain his dream. And by the way, the same is true for me and you, that God has probably given you a dream. If not, I really wanna encourage you over the next few weeks as we're talking about this to really say, God, do you have a dream for my life? And I believe that God has a dream for your life. But what I found is that oftentimes there's a gap between the dream that God gives us and actually stepping into that dream becoming reality. And what God wants you to know today is that that gap is all about your character. In fact, our big idea for this series is this, is that big dreams must be supported by big character. It is a must. Because if you don't, then what will happen if God actually gives you your dream is that it'll crush you because you don't have the character to support that dream. That's just like the bearded theologian, Michael P. Massey. He puts, the, he puts it this way, is that underdeveloped character will lead to unfulfilled dreams. Come on, isn't that good? Um, some of you are like, you don't know who Michael Massey is. He actually serves on our leadership team and did this. And I actually got this quote from our devotional this past week as a church. And I just want to encourage you that if you haven't started the devotional, our team created a custom devotional that will go throughout this whole series. You can find that exclusively on our app that you can download and be able to find there. I encourage you to do that. This week has been so good. Monday through Friday, our team has written a devotional for you to be able to, throughout this entire series that goes along with the content. So you make sure that you get this. Now in this series, what we see when we look at the life of Joseph is that we see that he went through nine character tests between his dream and his dream becoming reality. And so we're looking at these nine character tests that not only he took, but that we also have to take. And last week we talked about the pride test. And if you missed last week, you can go back and you can, I I highly encourage you to go check out that message. You can watch it on YouTube or we have an audio podcast on Apple and Spotify. So go check that out. But we talked about the pride test. And this week, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, because really like we encourage you to do that because it, it really helps you actually like not just understand it, but be able to apply it on Monday. 
I, I, that's a dream that I have. I've, I've, I dream of being a church where our Sundays always affect our Mondays. And I just know for me, it really helps me to remember when I write some stuff down. So I hope you're taking some notes. This week, we're going to be talking about the pit test. The pit test. The pit test. And we, we find this in Genesis chapter 37. We're actually picking up where we left off last week. And this is starting in verse 12. It says, soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture. Now, soon after this, this was after Joseph had his dreams and he communicated those dreams to his family and that didn't really make everybody happy. So it's right after this. It says, soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to, went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. And when they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, so Jacob's his dad, said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. And Joseph replied, I'm ready to go. We'll go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along. Jacob said, then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the Valley of Hebron, near the airport. <laughs> says in verse 15 that when he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? He asked. I'm looking for my brothers. Joseph replied, do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. Verse 18 says that when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. That's some Jerry Springer stuff right there. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him, then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben, who's the oldest brother, heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. So much better. Let's not kill him. Let's just throw him into this, this big cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Now, Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe, his coat of many colors that he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now, the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Now, let me read that last verse in the English Standard Version. Here's what it says. And they took him and they threw him, not into a cistern, into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Now, for the sake of our conversation today, what is a pit? For us to be able to take the pit test, what is a pit? Because we're not talking about a physical pit that, hey, for you to really, for your dream that's from God to become reality, at some point you're going to be thrown into a big pit. That's not what we're talking about. See, a pit 
is simply when you find yourself in a difficult, challenging situation. See, a pit is where it feels like your dream will never become reality. See, maybe, maybe let me put it this way. A pit is where it feels like you're stuck. It's like, I know there's more for my life, but I just feel absolutely stuck and there's no way out from where I'm at right now. So just by show of hands, how many of you would say that you've ever been in a pit? It's just, yeah, we all have. Doesn't that make you feel better, by the way? When you look around, you're like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people that have had hard days. This makes me feel so much better because it's so true. Listen, we don't have to come in here acting like everything is perfect, that everything that we're going through life and nothing is ever bad and we put on our church mask and smile. No, is that we've all been through moments where it feels like we're in a pit. We've all gone through things that are hard and challenging where it feels like we're stuck and that there's no way out. We've all experienced moments like that. That's normal. In fact, like as long as we live on this side of eternity, we will all experience pits. If you're a Reds fan right now, I'm telling you, you are in a pit. (laughs) Right now. I think it's four and 23, like right now. (laughs) 14 and a half games back. The first week of May. It's a pit. We all experience these. In fact, Jesus even says this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, in this world, guess what? You will have some pits. You will have trouble. Now, that, isn't that such an encouraging verse? Like nobody gets the tattoo of that verse. You know what? I want that. I want that. Like you will have some trouble. But listen, we've got to lean into this truth today. Like, please, please. I think part of my responsibility as a pastor is to make sure that that's communicated clearly. Like, don't buy into the lie that, hey, follow Jesus and your life is going to be perfect. That you're not ever going to experience anything hard because that's not true. Jesus himself says, in this world, you will have trouble. Put that verse back up there. But also the truth is true at the end. But he says, but take heart. I've done something about it. I have overcome the world. And the truth is, today you may find yourself at church. And right now you are in the middle of a pit. That right now, like this moment, right here, right now, You might be sitting there or watching online and you may be going through the hardest season, the most challenging season of your entire life. And it feels like you are deep in a pit. That right now it feels like, man, I don't even know how to get out of this pit. Maybe you're in the pit of depression or the pit of anxiety, the pit of hopelessness. Maybe right now you are in the pit of guilt and shame from choices and mistakes that have been made years ago or last night or whenever, but you find yourself right now in this pit of guilt and shame. Maybe you're in the pit of loneliness or the pit of heartbreak. Maybe right now you're in a financial pit and it just feels like you're drowning. There's so much financial stress right now or you're in debt like crazy or maybe you're on the brink of bankruptcy. Maybe you feel right now that you're in a relational pit, that 
your marriage, it just feels like it's stuck in a rut. And maybe it's just holding on by a very thin thread. Maybe you're facing just a lot of drama and conflict and issues with your family or with your children or with your friends. And it just feels like, man, I'm in a relational pit. Listen, we are all going to find ourselves at times, at some point of our lives, in a pit. And in Genesis chapter 37, we see that Joseph, he finds himself in a literal pit. He quickly goes from getting these dreams from God and being daddy's favorite to being in a pit. But the thing is, what can we learn about this moment right here. Let me share three things with you and then we'll pray and then we'll go eat some Mother's Day brunch, okay? Here's point number one, the position of the pit. The position of the pit. Now, when we find ourselves in a pit, we have to have the courage to ask, what got me in this position? That's the position of the pit. Like, what got me here? And if you look at this story I think it's easy to think, like, Joseph, how did you get in that pit? I think it's easy to sit there and just say, well, Joseph is in this pit because his brothers put him in that pit. Like, he was just doing what daddy asked him to do. And then all of a sudden, next thing he knew, they threw him in a pit. Joseph could have easily said, and I bet he did, whenever he was down in there, this is not my fault. Like, this is all their fault. And how many of you know that it's so easy to point the finger at everybody else? It's so easy to play the blame game. It's so easy to have a victim mentality whenever you're going through something hard. But James chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. It says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? And just think if Joseph said that. Hey, like what got me here? What is causing all these things? And if you're like me, I'm like, that's easy. It's him. It's her. I'm sitting by that person right now in church. Like it's my boss. It's my coworkers. It's it's my manager. It's my supervisor. It's my disrespectful kids. It's the person who hurt me. It's the person who did that thing to me years ago. It's people that are driving under the speed limit in the fast lane. (laughs) What is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? That's easy. It's them. It's everybody else. But listen to what the Bible says next. By the way, I just want you to know, I hate this next part. I hate it. Confession of a pastor. I don't like everything I read in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I don't like reading everything that I see. Like, because sometimes when I read God's word, it gets all up in my business. Sometimes when I read God's word, it steps on my toes. Like, it calls things out in me in ways that I fall short. Sometimes it shines a bright light into a dark area. I like to stay comfortably hidden in the dark. And so many times when that happens, I don't like it. But I have decided that this is the word of God and that I will not change it to fit my life, but I will change my life to fit it. Selah. 
But this is one of those verses that I do not like. So listen to what it says next. It says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that are within you? Oh, I hate that. It's like he's saying, like, could it be that the war that's happening all around you, that maybe part of it is because there's a war that's going on within you? And that's the position of the pit. See, the position of the pit is to stop blaming others, look internally, and ask, is there anything that I've done that got me into this position? That is the position of the pit. To stop blaming others, look internally, and ask, is there anything that I've done that got me into this position? See, I believe every time that we find ourselves in a pit, it is healthy to first look at ourselves and say, have I done anything big or small that contributed to my current circumstance? Listen, I am not talking about letting people who made mistakes off the hook. I'm not saying everybody gets a get out of jail free pass. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying like, I'm not talking about beating yourself up or having low self-esteem. I'm talking about having the courage when you're in a pit to humbly position yourself like David in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, where he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting Life. See, I, I've, I've actually been praying this every day recently. I've started making this part of my normal individual time with God. Is I just take some time to pray that scripture and say, no matter what I'm going through, God, is there anything in me? Will you first shine a light in areas of my life? Because I've learned that, that you cannot correct what you are unwilling to confront. And in Genesis chapter 37, what, what like... What happened wasn't all on his brothers. A lot of it was. Like his brothers made bad choices. No doubt about it. They did some wrong things. But everything wasn't on his brothers. It was also on Joseph. It wasn't just his brothers being jealous. It was also his pride. And in Genesis 37 verse 18 it says that when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. My question is how? How? How did they recognize him so far away? It was his coat of many colors. It was his robe. It was that Technicolor dream coat. It was this, this coat, this constant reminder that they knew that that's daddy's favorite. And I think, this is just my exegetical imagination, I think he wore it all the time. I think he was like, look what I'm wearing today. I'm wearing this robe again. I'm wearing this every day because I want everybody to know that I'm daddy's favorite. I think everywhere that he went, he wore this coat. Constantly rubbing in their faces that he was the best, that he was daddy's favorite. I, I even think he wore it in the middle of summer. It's just, you know what, it's summer. It's 107 degrees in Israel. Give me that coat. I'm going to put it on. 
Yes. Listen, Joseph's brothers hated him, which is wrong. There's no doubt about that. But why did they hate him? Yes, Joseph's brothers threw him in a pit, which is wrong. But did he do anything, even just a little bit, that put him in the position? See, every time we find ourselves in a pit, I think it is so healthy. Before we start blaming everybody else for why we're in there, to take an internal audit, and it's healthy to say, is there anything that I've done that contributed to me being in this pit? That is the position of the pit. Number two is the perspective of the pit. The perspective of the pit. See, when we are in a pit, it is so important to have the right perspective. And you need to know this, that every single time that we're in a pit, we will line up to one of two perspectives. We will either line up to God's perspective or we will line up to Satan's perspective. And in John 10, 10, here's what it says. It says that the thief, that's by the way, that's Satan, that he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. By the way, that is his job description. You need to know that his full-time job is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that is good in your life. But how does he do it? How does he, I wish I had an hour to teach you this, but I don't. I've got 13 minutes. How he does that, how he steals from you, kills from you, and destroys everything in your life is through lies and deception. Listen to what John chapter 8, verse 44 says. He, talking about Satan, was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Let me put it this way. If Satan is talking, he is lying. And every single time that you're in a pit, Satan will bombard you with lies. I guarantee you that as soon as Joseph was alone in that pit, whenever his brothers put him in there and they finally left him all alone just with his thoughts, I guarantee you the lies started coming in like a flood. Like Joseph, this is all your fault. You're so awful. You're such a bad, horrible person. You didn't just make a mistake. You are a mistake. Like, how could you do this? How could you find yourself here in this pit? You're never going to get out of this. This is going to be the rest of your life. You're going to die down here in this pit, and you'll never see your dreams become reality now. See, Satan's perspective of the pit is always condemnation. Always. It's always guilt. It's always shame. It's always condemnation. But God's perspective of the pit is always conviction. There is a difference. In fact, there is a big difference between condemnation and conviction. See, con condemnation is from the enemy. And it always paralyzes you to stay right where you are. But conviction is from God and always moves you forward. If you want to know another good indicator between which one is, is which, condemnation is always general. It's always like, you're just awful. You're like, you're awful, that's why you're in this pit. 
But conviction, which is from God, is always specific. See, conviction is like you did this, 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 and that's what led you there. And you can do this, this, this to get out. That's a big difference. Let me put it this way. Condemnation says you've made a mistake and there's no way out. Conviction says you made a mistake and here's the way out. And if you're at church today and you feel weighed down by guilt, by shame, by condemnation from what you've done, please hear me loud and clear. That is not from God. That is not from God. In fact, Romans 8.1 in my Bible says, so now, right now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. That means that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've made the decision to give him your life, to receive the free gift of grace, that there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no more condemnation. John chapter three, verse 17, after the most famous verse in the Bible, the next one's really good too, because it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Listen, God did not send Jesus to condemn us. He sent Jesus to save us. See, it's so important when we are in the pit to have the right perspective, to have God's perspective. That leads to point number three. Three is the purpose of the pit. So we have the position of the pit, the perspective of the pit, and then three, the purpose of the pit. There's a lot of peas up in this mug today. I'm telling you, there is a purpose of the pit. In fact, I believe the purpose of every pit is the same. Let me show you. I don't know if you're familiar with the Old Testament story of Jonah. Uh, it is a Sunday school, vacation Bible school banger. I mean, it's one that, um, it's, it's in the Old Testament, the story of Jonah. And let me catch you up, is that God tells Jonah exactly where to go and what to do. But then Jonah makes a choice that I'm going to do the exact opposite. I know, God, you told me to do this, but I'm going to go the exact other way. And then the consequence of that choice was that he was swallowed by a large fish. In other words, go with me. Because of his choices, he found himself in a fish pit. He was in a pit. And while he's there, this is what it says in Jonah chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble from my pit. And he answered me, I called to you from the land of the dead. And I underline that because in the original Hebrew, it's the word Sheol, which can be translated the pit. So I called to you from the pit. And Lord, you heard me. There is a purpose of every single pit. And here's what I believe it is. The purpose of every pit is to cry out to God. The purpose of every pit is to get us to a place 
where we know that we know that we know that we know that we cannot do this thing called life on our own. To have the light bulb moment where we recognize that we need God, that we are totally desperate and dependent on God to be able to do everything that he's called us to do. Now, Genesis 37, it does not tell us exactly what happened to Joseph in the pit. I wish it did. I wish it just kind of told us what he navigated in his mind when he was down there, when he was all alone. But I believe this is what he experienced. And here's why. I believe he, he cried out to God and then he had some real honest conversations and he got to the point where he knew that he needed God. And here's why. Because when you read the rest of the story, which we're gonna navigate that over the next few weeks, when you see the rest of Joseph's story, he is a different person after the pit. He just is. Like something happened in that pit that forever changed his life and he was never the same. One Joseph went in and another Joseph came out. See, I believe that Joseph, like he finally passed the test that we talked about last week, that he passed that pride test in that pit because he was a prideful dude going into that pit, but then he came out a totally different purpose. Listen, God may not have caused that pit, but he for sure used that pit. Listen, God never wastes a pit. Like there's a purpose, and that purpose is to cry out to God and recognize, man, that that we are all, every single one of us, no matter what we've experienced in life, no matter what pit we find ourselves in, the truth is, is that we all need God, that we're desperate for him. And I, I'm telling you, I've gotten to that place in my life where I know that I know that I know that I'm not enough, that I don't have enough, and that there's moments where I get in places where I need God. I had that moment this weekend where it's like, I need God. I am so desperate and dependent, and I think that's the purpose. God may not have caused it, but he'll use it. And he wants to get you into a place. Now, if you're in a pit today, I've got some really good news. Is that no matter what pit that you may be in today, like God has a plan to get you out. Like, spoiler alert, Joseph doesn't stay in the pit. God provides a way out. And I want you to know the same is true for you. God has a plan to get you out of the pit and his name is Jesus. And what I love about this story, like the whole Bible, is that this story actually points to Jesus. All the way at the very beginning of the Bible, it actually points to God's son that will come, points to Jesus. And in fact, in Genesis chapter 37, it says in verse 22, it says, Reuben, was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Now, Reuben was the firstborn son. And so Joseph had 11 other brothers, but Reuben was the firstborn son. Well, get this. In Colossians chapter one in the New Testament, in verse 15, it says that Jesus, the son, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn 
over all creation. So the firstborn, Reuben and Jesus, wants to rescue you and bring you back to the Father. But Jesus didn't just plan on doing it like Reuben did. He actually did it. See, Jesus is the true and greater Reuben. Jesus is the true and greater firstborn. Jesus is the true and greater older brother that just didn't plan on rescuing you and getting to you to the Father. He actually did it. You see, Jesus, he died on a cross. And then he stepped into a grave, a pit. But he got out three days later. I want you to hear this today. Is that Jesus went into a pit so that you could get out of the pit. That is the beauty of the gospel. Now, I gave my life to Jesus on June 25th, 1999, on the back porch of Burton Bible Building at the college that I went to. And before that moment, the best way I can describe my life was that I felt like I was in a pit. That's actually how I describe it now. I felt like I was in a pit and I was living two separate lives. There was a public me and there was a private me. There was the church me and there was the not church me. And I struggled with so many things like behind the scenes. Like for me, my struggle wasn't the outside. It wasn't the over, it was, it was all the things on the inside. It was insecurity, it was pride, it was sexual sin. And it was just this, I felt like this unhealthy cycle. And I felt so much guilt and shame. I felt the lies of the enemy in that pit. And I was just convinced that if I could just try harder, I could change myself. That if I just tried harder, if, if, if I could just do all those things, I could actually get myself, I could climb out of that pit myself. But it felt like the more that I tried to climb out, the more I just end up digging myself deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And it left me so exhausted. But on June 25th, 1999, instead of me trying to try harder to climb out of that pit, it's like I finally looked up. And the best way I can describe it is that I felt like Jesus was right there saying, are you ready to get out? Because I can help you. I've been here the whole time. You'll never be able to get out of there by yourself, but I'm here. And he grabbed me by the hand and he lifted me up. See, I believe I experienced what David wrote in Psalm chapter 40, verse 2 where it says, he lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. And he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He lifted me up out of that pit. And I'm telling you, Jesus went into a pit 
so that he could lift you out of the pit that maybe you're in. I'm telling you, my life has never been the same. And what I believe is that today, May 8th, 2022 can be the day that you experience that too. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I don't want to miss this moment. I know that it's so easy to miss this moment right here, but I want you to just simply just pray and ask God, God, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me today? Ask him that. Because I believe that God's been speaking to you about something specific in your life. And just open up your heart, your life, and say, what are you speaking to me? Maybe ask him this, like, God, what does my response need to be to this message? And Like we do every week, we want to give you the opportunity to make what we believe is the most important decision of your life, the decision to follow Jesus, the decision to give him your life, to receive the free gift of grace. And maybe you're here and you've never made that decision. Maybe right now you are in a pit. And like I experienced on June 25th, maybe today you need Jesus to help you out of that pit. Maybe you've never made that decision. Or maybe you have in the past and for whatever reason, you find yourself back in that pit and you are, you're ready to get out today and you need a fresh start. And listen, no matter how far you are from God, you are never too far from God. Today, he can lift you up out of that, that pit and he can set your feet like that scripture says on a rock named Jesus and give you a firm place to stand. In fact, you can experience that right now. And we want to give you that opportunity. We're not going to point you out or make you come forward. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. But it's a powerful prayer. It's a prayer that forever changes your eternity. And so if you're here today and and you want to get right with God, today that maybe you need to start or you need to restart a relationship with God, I want you without hesitation on the count of three as a step of faith with nobody looking around, to put your hand in the air and say, include me in that prayer. That's my decision today. Whether it's for the first time or it's all over again, if that's you, count of three, put your hand boldly up in the air. One, two, three, if that's you, put it up, put it up, put it up, put it up. Yeah, got you, it's awesome, it's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, I got you. It's great, anybody else? Yeah. You can put your hand down and just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I can't do life without you. And so I'm sorry that I've tried. Will you come live inside me? Change me, make me brand new. Right now, I'm, I'm grabbing your hand. I'm letting you pull me out of that pit. And you're setting my feet right now on solid ground. And my response is, is that I surrender my whole life to you. I give you my life. And I receive your grace right now. I receive your love and your forgiveness. And today, and for the rest of my life, I choose to follow you. We thank you so much for Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen.
Amen. Church, can you come on, clap your hands and celebrate. Come on with those. Tell them how proud you are of them. That's awesome. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.